Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. C All right. Sigerson. <laughs> yeah, no. Sigerson. I, I you're, asked, you're just messing it up. I asked Klaus Sigerson. 15 times how to pronounce Sier his name, Gerson. and I, I still got it wrong. Come on. Try, try it, Casey. Oh, should I do it? Uh, okay, let's Sier see if I can get it right. So, Sigurgerson. 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 Is the G first Sigurgerson. Yeah, it's kind of silent. Sigurgerson? Sigurgerson, yeah. Brian Sigurgerson. Yeah. Sigurgerson. Or just Brian from Image and Form. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Sigurgerson. Sigurgerson. Yeah. I hope this makes it to the actual audio. Sigurgerson. Listen! Welcome to NVC IGN's Nintendo Podcast. I'm your host, Casey DeFreitas, and I'm here with Per Snyder. Hey. Zach. Hey. Ryan. Well, yeah, and, sure. Uh, uh-huh. It's a Zach with a last name for sure. Yeah. Um, and Brian Segur? Gosh, no. Seergerson. Seergerson. Hi, that's me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I think it's me. No, that's you. It's definitely you. We traded out our regular Brian Altano for a Swedish Brian. All right, yeah, exactly. What's yeah. up, Swedish Brian? Yeah. And oh, he's here from uh, Image and Form. He's the CEO from uh, SteamWorld. SteamWorld everything. Everything, yeah. yeah, yeah. All yeah. of the games. But specifically to talk sink. about SteamWorld Quest, Hand of Gilgamesh. We're super excited to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of the Nindies, tons of news, tons of games out this week. We have way too much to talk about. And Pear has to leave soon to go back to GDC. Yeah. So we're going to try and get through this to as the fast GDC. as possible. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> the Game Developers Conference, for people who don't know what that is, um, 
But I want to start out talking about SteamWorld, because that's why we have you here. Oh, God. Wonderful. So, yeah. First of all, I have a question. Sure. Why weren't you in the Nindies Direct this morning? <laughs> oh, it's like uh, somebody <laughs> paid off Nintendo better than us. No, Aww. I think it's... We were actually in the uh, Nindie Showcase yes. a couple of weeks back. I think they don't want to wear out. And that totally makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So I don't want to explain your game for you. Mm-hmm. So can you do us all a favor and tell us your vision and what this game is about and how it's played? Sure. Okay, so it's the game is called SteamWorld Quest. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has the undertitle, uh, Hand of Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. No, yeah, oh, no. not Gilgamesh. And it's, the, it's because we're so yes. so funny. <laughs> I, I'm from Gothenburg in Sweden, and that's the pun capital of the world. It really Wait, is. Really? Yeah. yeah, it really is. It's, uh, it's official. No. Well, it's... it's you haven't met maybe. many Swedish people. <laughs> no, I'm just really gullible. I <laughs> They're renowned <everyone>. comedians. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Hand of Gilgamesh. And so, yeah, of course, because it's uh, robots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's an RPG, maybe even an, a JRPG. Well, since it's a Swedish game, maybe it's an SRPG. An SRPG? <laughs> yeah. Unless mm-hmm. the J is silent, as in your name. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's got card battle mechanics. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's it's much more of a JRPG with card battle mechanics than a card game with RPG elements. Yeah. You want to know something funny and sad? Yes. Um, you know, on our homepage, when we uh, when okay. we slot content, we A-B test headlines. So we, we test which headline works better, people click through more, and then the system automatically chooses the one that performs better. And I can hereby tell you that Adding the word Netflix to a headline always doubles click-through. Okay. Adding the word card to any RPG halves the click-through. So you took it out. Very good. So we, you know, we obviously, we were excited about your game. And when we're talking about it, we first called it the card RPG. And the click-through wasn't that great. Then we took the word card out and everybody clicked. Oh, okay. Isn't that crazy? Which is, yeah. seriously, if you do that, have an open mind. I mean, Paper Mario used cards. Yeah, right. The last one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, maybe maybe just call it an SRPG. <laughs> we're just going to call Search. it an SRPG. It doesn't have any card battle. That's right. Mechanics. All the cards no. were just that removed. That is a lie. Right, it's just props. <laughs> but for what, the record, I think the card battle mechanics look very very cool. I but agree. I love cool. card battle RPGs. We're actually we're going to talk about a Chocobo uh, mystery dungeon game later, and there's another Chocobo game called Chocobo Tales, which was a card based RPG, and I loved it. I mm-hmm. played the crap out of that. So <laughs> I'm super excited for card mechanics. RPGs. Mm-hmm. But obviously some people are worried about that. Can you and and I think it may have something to do with with some games kind of overdoing doing the loot box mechanic and all of that. Can you explain like how is the card battle mechanic work in your game? Yeah, I can do, do that. I have to pay for my cards? Uh no. Okay. It, okay, let me advertise a little bit then. It's like you pay once and never again for, <laughs> for an image informed game. Put to rest there. Right, exactly. No loot box, <laughs> nothing like that. And that's uh, why I like single single-player card game RPGs yeah. that you don't play with other people because like Hearthstone and stuff you have to continuously pay to keep up oh, with the right. card game mechanics mm-hmm. yeah, okay. but with these games That's where the no, stigma right. comes in though I think Yeah, mm-hmm. I think right? so too yeah. mm-hmm. Well, to answer the question there Pear, I think when we when we made SteamWorld Heist it was uh, when we announced that a lot of people were saying that well, I don't like uh, turn-based yep. combat <laughs> Until they played SteamWorld Heist. And they said, I didn't know I loved uh, turn-based combat, but apparently I do. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be the same with SteamWorld Quest, because the card and battle mechanics in that game is just so tasty. It's so image and form. It's so best in the world. So, yeah. That's it. Oh, that's very humble. <laughs> I was going to say all this, all this in humility too. Yes. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up Heist because, uh, as sort of your first foray into turn-based mechanics, like I think it had people, those of us that played it, really jonesing for a SteamWorld RPG. So when Quest was announced, not only as a turn-based uh, RPG, but also having this second layer of, of strategy attached to it in a card-based mecha- battle mechanic system, uh, it was really exciting to me because. You're, it's already a proven thing that you guys know what you're doing when it comes to turn-based stuff. How was uh, adding the card battle mechanic, how did it change up the way you thought about the actual like overall design? Oh, that's, that's a great question there, Zach, because from the very beginning, and when we, when we made the game, this is, this is kind of secret, I guess, but it wasn't a card game from mm-hmm. the beginning. And um, we felt that it would be really cool to add it. I, I should probably expand on that a little bit. Like in, in 2011, we made the best game on the planet called <laughs> Antil. Oh. It, it hasn't come to the Switch yet, but it just might. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, uh, 
um, we realized then mixing up genres was so interesting. So that was sort of a, um, a castle defense, real-time strategy, um, line drawing game. And adding, it was like baking a cake. And if you add a lot of, like too many ingredients to a cake, it's going to, yeah, it's not going to be that great. But if you add just, I mean, if you experiment with how much you pour in of everything, then maybe you hit on something. Yeah. And so with um, Steamwell Dig, that was sort of the same thing, like Dig Dug meets some sort of Metroid or Castlevania thingy, and then you have an interesting game. Also with, with Heist, like this. Yeah. So we thought, maybe this is going to work. And that we, we that's, that's a, much of the time, that's how we make our games. Mm-hmm. We, we test things. We run into dozens of dead, dead ends along the way. So it, it always takes us a long time to make games because it, on paper, anything can sound really clever or stupid, but then you try it and it might turn out exactly the other way around. Like something that sounds dumb is really good. Was a was a card mechanic always sort of rattling around in the back of your mind, or was it something that somebody just tossed out? Like, you know what? I think this game could really use that. You know, like if we need something else to achieve this like balance that you're talking about, here's the card based mechanic. W- yeah. How did that come about? So it had like a, it had a totally different uh-huh. sort of, um, core gameplay mechanic from the beginning. Mm. I'm, I, I'm going to come back in next year and tell you exactly what that was. <laughs> Um, but it's kind of cool to to sort of keep that secret a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But it was it it clearly wasn't working. It mm-hmm. we had like a central sort of core gameplay thing, and it was tr- it was worrying because that's something that we fo- ourselves we think it's that's that's the game like yeah. the core gameplay thing. I mean, after after we have that, we sort of uh, we make it beautiful, we make it sound wonderful, mm-hmm. and so on. But if that thing in the middle there like does isn't perfect, then yeah, the game is isn't going to be very good. Hmm. So yeah, we were kind of just plodding along with this core gameplay thing, and we were yeah we were just worried. And then the game director, <laughs> a guy, a brilliant guy called Peter Johansson. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no no silent J in the no. name, right? <laughs> he he's he he sat me down one evening and said, "Listen, this I don't think this is going to work, but let's let's." go through the options and he mm-hmm. he sort of uh, drew up six new uh, six, six different paths to sort of go forward with the game mm-hmm. one was let's just stay on the course and hope that we make this work and then sort of change it a little bit a little bit a little bit and then mm-hmm. at the very end of that like uh, uh, like the furthest away was this uh, card battle mm-hmm. mechanic you said let's just Change it all? No, I said let's keep it the way it is. But okay. then he changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. we talked about it, and we decided it's like this is that might just work. And it was also it was pretty good because it was easy to prototype that we could we could actually play it um, without programming anything. We could mm-hmm. sort of play it by hand, and so, literally by hand. Yeah, and I mean we changed that. <laughs> Cards, get it? Dad. Okay. Dad. Yeah, but we and then we had to iterate on that like tons of times as well. Yeah. If you had to compare the card mechanics in SteamWorld Quest to an existing card game, which one would be the the most apt comparison? I can predict all his answers. Okay. All right. Let us know your prediction. Casey, we would never build a game that was similar to another game on the market. So, Casey, oh. we would never. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very good. It's, yeah. Uh, we, um, yeah, it's, it, but it's not a bad answer because it's, uh, we. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thank yeah. you for saving me. Um, there are a few games that have inspired Steam Quest. And uh, if I were to rattle a few of them off, I would, like, after each one, I would say, but it's not really mm-hmm. like that. Okay. So, it's, Talking about which one is the closest, I think actually like there would be one or two physical card games like mm-hmm. w- that you play with a regular fifty-two card uh, oh, deck oh, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. that might come close. Even mm-hmm. you'll you'll understand when you play the game. Okay, I'm excited. So Joe Scrubbles, our UK editor, was able to play, and he said that it's entirely different to its forebears. It's simultaneously accessible and intimidatingly smart, and just bloody lovely. And he also Aww. said that it's more story-based than previous games. Can you kind of talk about why you decided to go more narratively heavy? Oh, yeah. Um, well, first, thanks to Joe. He's, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to pay him later. For 
well, it was we wanted to do that is with um, with all the games before. Like I, I was sort of touching on it before that the core gameplay mechanic in in our games is the most important. But then we have like really, really brilliant writers, I think, and they sometimes their stuff gets sort of tacked on at the end, if you understand what I mean. And they all, I think you talked about this before, but you know, do they all herald from the uh, comedy capital of the world or are they international writers? Are they? No, they're and, all from the comedy and, capital, yeah. And they all write in English though? Yeah. You write the script in English, you don't start in Swedish? No, we, okay. no, we write it in English. Yeah. We don't even have a Swedish version of, of any of our games wow. actually. Hmm. Which is kind of dumb, actually. I think we could, we would manage, right? Uh, but yeah, they're they're there, and um, they're just very, very smart people, I think, and or clever, I should say. Yep. Like mm-hmm. some of them are, yeah, dad jokes. They rate very highly in the office and so on. So it's we we have a. We have a good time with it. Dad jokes, huh? Plenty I'd like to take yeah. this opportunity to announce my new job at Image Informed. <laughs> yeah. Dad joke creator. That's right. Oh, we're, we're the masters. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it, we wanted to give them more space this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, ironically, it, it turned into this game because also from the from the beginning, SteamWorld Quest was a much smaller game. Mm. Um, we were sort of thinking that let's, now we've made games that took a long time to make, like SteamWorld Heist took forever. It almost mm-hmm. took two years to make that game. Oh. SteamWorld Dig 2, although we had like the blue, blueprint from the original, it took forever. It mm-hmm. took like some 17, 18 months to make that. Mm. And we were just, everyone was more or less tired and we said, let's make a small, simple game. And then we, and then it sort of, yeah, just feature crept into a, like a really epic game. It's, That's great. Yeah, and so like we, you know, I've, I've seen the footage, um, obviously from the from the um, showcase. Is there is there like an overworld where you walk around, or is everything played from a side scrolling perspective? How's how's the setup? Yeah, great. Well, everything is played from the side scrolling mm-hmm. setup with cutscenes in here and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely that you don't walk around in an overworld. Okay. There's no like switch to a different perspective. It's all like it's no. in this in this same setting. Yeah. That's where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's because it's sort of a uh, it's a cohesive adventure. Like mm-hmm. you start at one point. We had I mean, we had what do you call it? Like s- mm, sketches of of overworld, and we mm-hmm. we had prototypes of that. But we just found that we're not really doing anything in the overworld. Mm-hmm. We want people to to go through the just the traverse just for chores. I'll say because that yeah yeah that's it that's mm-hmm. it, and uh, yeah. In the end, we were very happy with that. Also meant that we could sort of focus even more on the graphics from that perspective. <laughs> Any, uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure we'll see lots of characters from the SteamWorld series reappear. Anything about the enemies? Any favorite enemy designs or, or creatures or anything you have in the game? Yeah. Yeah. I have a... Yeah, I really have a few, actually. It's yeah. a... Um, everyone... I mean, everyone is a robot. Yeah. Like, it's SteamWorld. Right. So, uh, well, in well, you had the enemies also, were actually in this game. Not everyone. Yeah, there's before, also magic, right? right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. there's also like magic. There's magic. Yeah. yeah, right. But my favorite character is is this whimsical guy who rolls around on one wheel and uh, he doesn't have a he-, he has a like a bird cage instead of a head <laughs> and in the bird cage bird cage there is a robotic little bird. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's. I mean, just look at him. It's like. Why? What is this? <laughs> yeah. Is that, why does? You. Yeah. I mean, I, I I love that. I love being. I mean, you love your jobs, obviously, because you. Yeah, you don't want to quit. But it's the same thing for me. It depends me. on how much you're paying, Brian. <laughs> it's the same thing for me. I love my job, just and not like walk by the art department every day, but like maybe, maybe like every two weeks or something to sort of peek over the. Tr- over the shoulder of someone mm-hmm. and just look at something that is just fabulous <laughs> like something that is whimsical or, or beautiful it's it's great so but, but you said there's magic in steamworld oh yeah how did that happen well from the beginning i think we were aiming at sort of explaining everything like someone's dream or like okay. a, like a story yeah but then you're like the writers actually found a way to to okay. put it into the the SteamWorld lore. So it, uh, SteamWorld Quest is actually on the SteamWorld timeline. And that 
that it is actually means a lot to us because it it sort of stretches the timeline for SteamWorld uh, a great great deal. So hmm. Now we can we can probably make like at least two more SteamWorld games after this. Oh, uh-huh. because it did world building, right? And you're going to make a lot more. So yeah, we're going to make a lot more. Yeah, two dozen. Games. So you're basically least, taking you off here first. every genre box. So. Goes without saying, Battle Royale is next, right? That's <laughs> no, what the kids a, are playing one, now. 100 robots drop 100 onto robots. an island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now, yeah, let's see. I know what's next, actually. You do already? Yeah. What's next? What, what is genre? It? It's, I can't, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come on. Oh. Yeah, I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. Okay. Does it have right. robots? Yes, it has oh, robots. Oh, confirmed. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> next SteamWorld has robots. So... Can you tell us maybe a window of when we can expect this to come out on Switch? This, um, this SteamWorld Quest. SteamWorld Quest, very good. And the second one. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the next one. So SteamWorld Quest is, I mean, we, we're still only saying 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. But seriously, I really, I really think it's a, it's a very decent game. It's a, it's a really good game. And so I'm fond of saying, like... Um, Later than you want, but sooner than you expect. Okay. Are you almost done with the game? Yep. Okay. Will it be playable at PAX East? Um, it's it's still it's already playable, you know. But, uh, <laughs> okay. But it's it's if it's if it's playable in its in its final form or or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We'll, okay. I'll leave that sort of unsaid. Okay. I'll probably said everything. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Any, anyway, right. Well, hopefully we'll find out more soon. Yeah. So thank you for, so much for talking to us about those that indie. Let's move on to more indies <laughs> because, man, there's honestly just way too many. I have a list of more than a dozen indie games coming out for Nintendo Switch this year. All showed off at in a 30-minute Nintendo Direct this morning. Right. And I think I will just want to talk about the biggest surprise announcement first. And then move on. No, I, I mean I see what you have. I see what you yeah. have listed here. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it, first. it is a big surprise. But I think we got a few surprises in this direct. Okay, that, we got like, a lot yeah, of surprises. Yeah. You're right. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah. Crypt of the Necro Dancer, featuring the Legend of Zelda. That's quite the title. That's yeah. the entire title. I already that is noticed. That's the entire title. It busted really already long. one of our displays on the website because <laughs> it's so freaking we need, long. We need Never do that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, point taken, yeah. But there are there are going to be 25 remix Zelda tracks, um, iconic enemies and items in Zelda, but also spells, characters, and weapons from Crypt of the Necrodancer. And it's coming out in spring. And have you guys played Crypt of the Necrodancer? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the first time I played that game was at PAX East with a dance pad. Yeah. So I desperately want to play this game with a dance pad. That's fun. In the office. That is my dream. Okay. So we can make that happen, Casey. For the uninitiated, <laughs> can you talk to us a little bit about, about what Crypt of the Necromancer or Necrodancer is? Yes. Yeah. Crypt of the Necrodancer is a um, dungeon, like a mystery dungeon RPG set to a beat of a song. So mm-hmm. the entire, all of your movements are set to the beat and you need to maintain the beat to keep up a kind of um, like combo going. Mm-hmm. But to maintain that beat, you have to continuously move. And when you move, the enemies move. Everything happens to the beat. So if you want to attack an enemy, you have to time it with the beat. And if you get attacked or if you don't move, you kind of reset your timer. Um, and then, you know, to, for people who haven't seen footage of uh, either game, Cadence of Hyrule or Necrodancer, it's all set on a grid, right? Mm-hmm. The way you move is like, it's almost like on a chessboard where you like yep. move forward it's like constantly. A strategy RPG. Side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and it's a shopkeeper that sings. <laughs> Apart from the fact that, first of all, I'm I'm already the art style almost reminds Super me cool. of the Capcom Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Like it's very playful, very hand drawn. Looks very different from uh, the original game, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks more like a Nintendo game. And then, uh, yeah, this is one of those concepts that you could not have predicted. First of Never. all, for and I have a question for uh, for Brian. Like f- this, n- this is Nintendo working with an indie developer and giving them their one of their most successful franchises and characters and melodies to mess with. Yes, yeah. Tom. Tom and I got to talk to Kirk Scott, uh, who is the man on Nintendo, the Nintendo and Indies project, and and we talked to him a little bit about what this game means for. Uh, Nintendo properties and he kind of put it in an interesting way he's like this isn't a Zelda game by the Necrodancer developers this is a Necrodancer game that has Zelda characters and assets in it right mm-hmm. like license to it um, which is really interesting because 
it opens up this realm of possibility that didn't really exist before or has been done like pretty limited. You know, you mentioned Capcom developing uh, uh, Oracle of Seasons and Ages and mm-hmm. Minish Cap. Um, but outside of that, you know, uh, I guess uh, Hyrule Warriors. Rabbids. Hyrule yeah, Rabbids. Warriors, like, yeah, so we're starting to see more and more of this. And I wonder if this was going to be your question as well. Well, my question but, is. Go ahead. If, if you guys could yeah, work exactly. on any Nintendo IP, if Nintendo said, hey, do you guys want uh, any of our character sets in one of your games? What would you go for? Would you would you go for Metroid Dig? What, yeah. what would you do? No, we would go for Metroid. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and I would give my left arm. Yeah. If they, if Don't they do that. Me. Yeah, even left-handed. So that would be really troublesome. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about Metroid? Why would you go for that one? Yeah, but it's just so cool. Yeah. I think so. It's, yeah. Uh, and also... Kind of goes with what we do. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah so, you have that kind of Metroidvania yeah. style setup right. in your games a lot. Right? We, we understand Metroidvania as well, yeah. right? So yeah. It would be a good match. But but I mean, it sounds like this is not just Nintendo saying, you know, like they're working with a second party and saying, here here make us a Metroid game. Like what what if they said marry it with what you guys do best? What would you do? Oh man. I mean, it's, I guess Samus could dig. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a grapple hook. Sam World dig. Sam World. <laughs> No, I'm sure we would come up with something really good. Yeah. Um, oh. yeah An all new mech suit. Sorry? An all new mech suit. Yeah, well, yeah. A steampunk Metroid yeah. could be very cool. That would be really yeah. neat. You no, know, that would be super nice. Yeah. That would be super great. Actually, Samus, uh, Samus in the Steam World heist setup would totally work. Yeah. yeah the well, turn based, like, almost, with all the weapons. Almost is uh, yeah. Samus, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah. we got Piper, who is very, very close to Samus Aran, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they could sort of team up, I think. All right. We'll call them. Yeah, I'll call yeah. them. Yeah. It, it opens up this sort of realm of possibility, like immediately in the office, people started talking about what developers would you want to develop, yeah. you know, different sort of Nintendo franchise titles. And a lot of people mentioned Image and Form in mm-hmm. the same breath as Metroid. Uh. Uh, we talked a lot about mm-hmm. like, um, I, my, my suggestion was like Kid Icarus uh, goes to Yacht Club. I'd love to see Yacht Club <laughs> no, take on something great. like that. Yeah, but there's so many possibilities out there now. And I think that this is such an interesting first step into that that realm you know that sacred realm <laughs> we oh. did oh <laughs> no i like it are you Great. from goetheborg <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean, we did we did get a mario ddr on the gamecube as yeah. well mm-hmm. i plan on using oh, that dance pad that. Yep. with oh my this God. game you and that dance pad yeah very cool I need it. but yeah what a, what a surprise that means we get two zelda themed games this year which mm-hmm. is crazy yep. yeah so it should be coming out sometime this spring, and we also got another surprise, and the Nintendo Direct opened with this one, uh, Cuphead for Switch, mm. yeah. which I think has been kind of going around the rumor mill for a couple of months now, and it finally actually happened. And the most surprising thing, I think, besides the creepy milkman, um, they, Nintendo thanked Microsoft. Yeah, they thanks to our friends at Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. For, for letting Cuphead How weird Nintendo is Switch, that? I guess. I mean, they're buds right. now. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Of course. Right. They, yeah, they, there's has, there has to be like a business decision mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we're seeing Microsoft slowly moving into a more agnostic space in gaming, you know, making Xbox Live tool sets available to platforms outside of the Xbox, obviously co-publishing, always creating Xbox and PC, PC versions of games. I'm curious to see where this goes. Yeah. You know, they might be predicting the boxless future and wanting to become the first Netflix of gaming. Mm. I don't see why like this, this isn't a first look at a, lo- a bigger partnership. In my mind, the way that I think about Microsoft mm-hmm. li- licensing their games to Nintendo and, or looking at the way that Nintendo is doing streaming in Japan with like Assassin's Creed and Resident Evil, mm-hmm. I-, I like the idea that Microsoft is building this streaming box. Nintendo has already got one foot into the streaming pool, that they're, they're obviously trying out these things to see if they work. Microsoft adopting Nintendo as like their portable outlet is so much mm-hmm. smarter than them working off of their tablet line or something like that. Like I think it would be so smart to have this integration kind of across the board and it's like, yeah, you can stream Gears of War 5 to your Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Like it's And then, I mean they may have looked at the market and said Switch is not a competitor. It's such a different device. I mean hardware power wise and maybe the Switch is the right place to bring some of our classic franchises or some of the 2D games to. What a obviously, banger to start with though. Yeah. Obviously yeah. they make they made bank on Switch with Minecraft. That's yeah. a Microsoft franchise. Mm-hmm. Before then, you know, they allowed Banjo-Kazooie on the Game Boy on the DS, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they did Flight Simulator on mm-hmm. non non Microsoft platforms. So it's been a slow it's yep. been a slow build up to where we are now. Yep. Yeah. But very interesting. I, I, again, one of those it's been rumored for a long time but it seemed kind of improbable given that it was a Microsoft only on exclusive. Xbox title mm-hmm. at one point and here, well, here it 
is on on Switch already launching in April. MDHR as a studio MDHR who developed Cuphead is essentially a Microsoft second party studio, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's really interesting. I would love to have been a fly on the wall during their conversation about like hey, by the way, you know, we've been talking about your game as an exclusive to Xbox for the majority of your development cycle, yeah. but what if we put you on Switch as well? Like, that's wild. Like, it must have blown those guys' minds, you know? It is, I think I really think so. It's, um, and also for the studio to, to get that opportunity, because I think it's going to be a fantastic handheld game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Cuphead, um, if you don't know about Cuphead, it's a 2D side-scrolling, very challenging platformer shooter. Mm-hmm. Did I describe that right? Gunstar yes. Heroes. Gun- Gunstar yeah. Heroes type yeah. thing? <laughs> um, but it has really beautiful hand-drawn graphics. Mm. Yeah, it looks... That, like an old cartoon. Like a 1930s cartoon. More than yeah. any game in the history of games, it looks like a cartoon. Yeah. Complete mm-hmm. with little, you know, film rip lines and dust on the lens and all that. Mm-hmm. It's really well made. And it's also um, very challenging. Yep. So look forward to that. It comes out on April 18th on Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. And so the next game that they showed was Stranger Things 3, the game from uh, Bonus XP. It's going to have local co-op, 12 playable characters, and it comes out on July 4th, the same day as the Season 3 launch. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's meant to be played alongside Season 3. Mm-hmm. Do you mean that? I mean, is I, it, it going to unlock? or How no, does that work think, now? Do we get all the episodes at the same time? I think maybe it might extrapolate. I'm just completely guessing here. It might extrapolate on some of the season, maybe some extra details here and there, but they are telling you to wipe your weekend clean because you're going to be spending all weekend playing the game and watching Stranger Things. Just just looking and at the, the trailers that they've shown for Stranger Things, the game mm-hmm. trips me out because it's just like Joyce and uh, I forget the, the, the cop's name just rampaging through buildings, just beating people up. And yeah. the, the kids have bats and stuff. And it's like, wow, this third season's really taking a detour here. They're, they're, gro- yeah. they're all grown up. Yeah. It's a beating weird, up people in buildings. It's a weird format. It feels like they would have been a, you know, like if you look at the time frame that Stranger Things is set in, like it's weird that they didn't just adapt the look and feel of the games of that age and instead went with this weird mm-hmm. kind of isometric game. Yeah. Like it would have fit much better with an NES style game. Tom, Tom Marks has had a great observation about Stranger Things in that it feels... Uh, he he got to play it at the Nindies event, and he said it feels a lot like the Goof Troop game on Super Nintendo. Okay, which was like a, a really great game. Yeah, um, just really different. So, okay. yeah. Oh, one other thing: this is going to be a um, Nintendo Switch console exclusive. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's going to come out on Switch and PC. Possibly, okay, only. All right, could come out on Netflix. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And the next game that they brought up in the uh, Nintendo Direct was the is um, Red Lantern from Timberline Studios, and I know that we are all very excited for this one. And it's basically a sled dog survival game. You're playing as a woman who's trying to reinvent herself, so she makes a goal to get a van, get dogs, go to Alaska, and complete the... Um, I did a rod. I did a rod. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a sled dog race that takes oh, okay. weeks. Yeah. That Alaska, actually, the Alaskan wilderness. Yeah, I, I, Brand, I actually wanted to ask you, um, have you ever raced any sled dogs? <laughs> I have, actually. Um, uh, of course. Yeah, everybody does that in Sweden. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. On, cool, on weekends, cool. of course. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I yeah. still yeah. can't. I, I think you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but actually, up north in Sweden, we have these, uh, not dog sled, but we have sled races. Like uh-huh. we're, yeah, you should see those. Everyone owns one. Like it's that's not true. You know, okay, almost Every, everyone. Okay, okay, almost everyone owns a sled like that, and it it's the it's an amazing piece of uh, engineering. Yeah, it completely like has no motor or anything like that. You just push it. It's just like your the feet. little wooden sleds that we know from like Christmas movies. Remember, yeah. this is California. Yeah, oh, yeah. of course, right? Yeah, no, no, no. a little bit I'm bigger. From a little bit bigger. Place, but we yeah. call them kicks because you sort of kick it as you go along. Mm. And there are some serious kick races, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Well, this is not that. <laughs> no, this, is this not game that. Right. has actual dogs in it. Um, and the the first thing that came to mind when I, when I saw it was Firewatch. Just yeah. the art style. It's kind of partially cell shaded looking, uh, really vibrant colors. You know, the, all the sunsets and the snow and all that. The narration is really good. So mm-hmm. it seems like it's a really cool story driven game. It really the narration from the beginning just really drew me in. Yeah. It's like a touching trailer. Yeah. Yeah. They did a really good job. It, it tugged at my heartstrings for sure. So mm-hmm. the the trailer doesn't do a great job of describing what this game actually is. Mm-hmm. And it's not playable at GDC, but we, we sat down uh, with uh, uh, Timberland Studios and talked to them a little bit about what the game is. And it's it's an open world exploration game. Basically, you get knocked off course by 
any number of instanced um, conflicts, right? So, like, mm-hmm. in the trailer, we saw a bear attack, but you could break your sled and fall off a cliff, or you could no. knock yourself out on a log that's fallen over, or a tree could fall on one of the dogs or something like that. Ultimately, you get knocked off course and you have to figure out a way to get back to civilization, but you have to care for your dogs and care for yourself along the way. And there's like over some kind of like over 100 permutations of things that can happen along the way. So each playthrough is different. It's almost like a roguelike. Mm. Um, But there are like specific story beats that also happen along the way. It's a super interesting idea. I think it looks really, really cool. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, same. And the next game that they talked about was called Rad from Double Fine and published by um, Bandai Namco. Yep. Which is interesting. So a Tim Schafer joined. Yes. Yeah, he was actually he was in the direct to make a pun saying that just a little cameo. Real rad. Yeah. yeah. But it's a 3D action roguelike um, where radioactive toxins will mutate your character. Comes out this summer, and in the trailer we kind of saw a trailer um, a guy moving around, attacking things and fighting things and picking things up and then have his head mutate into a snake head or like get wings or yeah. get a weird tentacle arm. Get a giant arm. arm or, yeah. yeah. And at the end of the trailer, they showed him like, okay, like you've grown, this kid shows promise and him entering some sort of structure that looked mm-hmm. weird. Um, yeah. This game is also not playable at GDC as far as I know, so I haven't been able to play it even though I really want to. Yeah, Double Fine is obviously a developer, a developer with a good sense of humor, mm-hmm. and they they've consistently developed very very funny games. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like the way this looks. It looks like it looks cartoonish. It looks like a classic kind of like Super NES, like overhead shooters, like you know, zombies killed killed my neighbors. Yeah, that that's kind of that's stuff, what right? I thought of too. Is they yeah. had zombies killed my neighbors? Um, yeah, I'm digging it. And obviously, Rad is a pun because it's all radioactive. Yeah, <laughs> just to explain it. But it's cool, like yeah. you said. I mean, Double Fine kind of own the space of, of humor. You know that you're going to respect the humor when you play this yep. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Excited about that one, too. And another game that I has gotten a kind of a lot of buzz in the office is uh, Katana Zero from Devolver Digital. I played this game um, at the Nindies showcase just a few hours ago, and it was really cool. And my favorite feature is that you can't kill the cat. Um, <laughs> no kidding, but they actually do make the animals unkillable in that game. But you play as an assassin named Dragon, and you get orders from your employer who sends you on these missions. And at the end of every mission, you go home, you drink some tea, and you see your therapist. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of different mechanics besides just the side-scrolling action, which is really cool and awesome. But there are conversations that you can have and interrupt the person you're speaking with, and that affects what happens later in the game. Nice. And it just has an interesting story and really cool, really fun gameplay. Did you did you get to play it, Zach? Uh, no, I, I didn't play this one, but I, I have heard a lot about it. Um, and just like the the slow the time slowing mechanics, the way that the um, the whole premise of the game is that you have precognition, right? Mm-hmm. So that you can mm-hmm. see what happens before it happens. But you play through those sequences, and that's you seeing the future. Mm-hmm. So when you die, you go back to the beginning of a room and have to go back through it. So you're learning enemy patterns each time, and everything. Uh, Every enemy and yourself, you're all in a one-hit kill, like one mm-hmm. HP scale. So mm-hmm. uh, you really have to make smart decisions, and yeah, it's it's really really interesting. Mm. Comes up also like same, crazy violent. Comes up just, the same day. Well, not in the not in the trailer, right? Or, oh no, it's it's pretty bloody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, which yeah, one? There was one I mean, game that that has violence usually and didn't have it in the trailer. Was that Rad? No. Could be could be Blood Roots. Oh, Bloodroots, that's right. Yeah, yeah for Blood the trailer, Roots. I think they just kind of turned off Blood Mode. Which is awesome. That's funny. Yeah, Bloodroots is great. Uh, so yeah. Katana Zero comes out the same day as Cuphead. April, April is getting 18th. a little busy. Oh, man. Yeah. That, a lot of cool things I'm, coming in April. That is a game that I am definitely going to get when it comes out, and I want mm-hmm. to beat it and figure out what's going on with that mystery. Mm. It's really interesting, and the gameplay is so much fun. Jesus, that's a giant list, Casey. I, I know. know. Well, like, it was a thirty. <laughs> it was the longest Nindies direct they've had. It was thirty minutes long. There were a ton of games. We can just go through until we get here. Um, yeah. Nuclear Throne from Flambeer is coming. Is available now. It's a po- post-apocalyptic roguelike top-down shooter. Super Crate Box from Flambeer um, is a Nintendo Switch version. is going to include exclusive two-player co-op and comprehensive and competitive multiplayer. Making up words. Also April. Also April. Mm-hmm. So and that's four April games. Yep. Well, two, two March, two and April. And Vlambeer Arcade is going to launch with Ultrabugs, and it's going to continuously evolve with more games as time goes on. It's a collection of small games, and that oh, okay. releases later this year. It was this a year. cute idea, I thought. Yeah, yeah. A game that keeps on changing. Yeah, yeah. you just yeah. keep cool. getting, getting more mm-hmm. as it goes. And then the next one is another Devolver Digital game, My Friend Pedro. Uh, and God, it My Friend Pedro is a cool. A sentient banana named Pedro. 
<laughs> my friend Pedro, if you guys haven't checked it out, like you need to look it up. Have you seen this game? I haven't. It's unbelievable. So you play this like hitman who has amnesia, and you meet a talking banana who like walks you through each level. Of course, but the you whole, do. Yeah. yeah, but the whole the whole mechanic is like you have a. Uh, you're constantly doing backflips or like rolling or jumping over people and you can slow down time, but you can also track uh, two enemies at any given time or ricochet bullets off of stuff. And so uh, watching somebody that knows how to play this game play it is like, Watching a, like a premier ballerina, like dancing through. It's like levels. watching Neo it's in the Matrix, like avoiding yeah, bullets. Exactly. It's like yeah. that. Yeah, it's uh, really cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. it's a super super cool that. game. It's really really funny. Thankfully, not in April. That's no, in June. June. Yeah. And next one, Zach, were you the one who was excited for this Creature in the Well? Me yeah. too. Creature I in the Well. Video. Okay, I Cre- didn't get to play this. Yeah, Creature in the Well is probably uh, with, Creature in the Well and Bloodroots are the two that really jumped out at me uh, at the showcase. Um, Creature in the Well specifically is this top-down, think like hyperlight drifter, but also make it pinball. So you're dashing to avoid enemies, you're running around these open spaces, but you're also ricocheting enemy bullets and projectiles to can, power up. Kind of link when he returns, like yeah. Ganon's fireball. Yeah, like you at know, the like, end of a Zelda game. Yeah, yeah uh, super fun, really f- like fast-paced, and and uh, you, you there's a lot of things that you can do in this game, not unlike Hyperlight Drifter, where there will be rooms with these really intense puzzles to solve, um, and you can just blow right past them if you want to. You don't have to solve them. You can go into the next thing to like complete the main objective, but if you can wrap your he- head around how to solve those puzzles you get rewarded with like really cool gear or uh, you know like bonus life like stuff like that so it's it's really interesting there's a really like cool like risk rewards uh, situation so do you do that sort of in real time then solve these puzzles you can't really stop and, and, and yeah. so essentially every room is a puzzle right mm-hmm. so the way that like think of a pinball table where you've got bumpers uh, arrayed in like say a semicircle so Enemies will shoot projectiles at you, and you have to position yourself to bounce those projectiles at the bumpers to power up the, the you know, like the, these areas that open the doors to get you to the next area. Yeah. Um, so in some cases, these rooms are like there's no enemies; there's just the puzzle itself. Mm. But the doors are already open for you, so you can run into the room and see that there's oh, there's a puzzle to solve here, or you can say I'd rather just get to the boss and get to the next area. Um, so it's all you know, like do you spend the time to solve this puzzle? And get frustrated, which I admittedly did, mm. or, or and and like get a potentially really cool power up. Uh, like the one I got gave you a laser sight on your sword, so you could see exactly where you were ricocheting your your projectiles right, to. Right. Um, or do you just like slam through it and get to the next area? Mm. It's it's super cool. It's That's developed awesome. by two dudes. It looks amazing. Like yeah, I'm really excited for this game. Nice. Hmm. Not releases this summer. Mm-hmm. And next is Blaster Master Zero Two. Surprise. Yeah. Also. Yeah. We, didn't today. A, we didn't know a sequel was no. in the works. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's available now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do they do that? I think um, I think they're small studios where nobody leaks the game <laughs> that they're working on. Oh, clever people! Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do they do it? Yeah. <laughs> How do they do that? <laughs> or they live in the most remote nation on Earth, you know, somewhere where the sun don't shine and nothing gets uh-huh. leaked. You know, <laughs> other developers do that. But yeah, this is from Inti Creates. Um, so. Uh, Blaster Master uh, Zero was obviously, obviously a really cool revival of the the classic, and this one, uh, this one seems to continue in that same set where you have you know side scrolling kind of vehicular shooting action, and then the more kind of top down perspectives with a zoomed in view. So they showed that in the trailer. So when did the original come out? How Switch launch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Blaster. Well, the the original. The original Blaster, original. The original original was an NES. NES. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, Blaster right. Master Zero w- launched, I think, day and date with the Switch, yep. or maybe right. just a little bit March after. March 2017. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Super cool. cool game. Hmm. And we also got to see a little bit of Pine, which looks like a, an open world adventure game. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out in August. It's by Congregate and Twelvebound. and it showed um, a guy with a bow and arrow with some fox people interrupting a f- battle between some alligator people and elk people. Mm-hmm. It seems interesting, but it looks like an open world. You have a bow and arrow, you hunt, you have to intervene with different kind of uh, tribes around. Mm-hmm. It seems cool, but I also didn't get to play that game. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't think it's um, it's at GDC, but hopefully we'll be able to play it eventually. Yeah. And then uh, next is Blood Roots by Paper Colt. And that was a super fun game. Yeah, Blood Roots rules. And I learned it's called Blood Roots because so as you're playing, you, dying is part of the game. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to die. It's one you get killed with one hit. You kill enemies with one hit. And when you die, you leave a patch of white flowers 
on the map, and that's called blood roots. Mm-hmm. And I guess these flowers, if you break them open, they are like have a dark red orange dye that can be used as like body paint. So that's in the game. No, in real life. Oh, cool. Oh, in yeah. real life, it's a real thing. <laughs> it's a like, real thing. Okay. Yes. Who no, knew? blood roots are a real thing. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, and they grow where people die. <laughs> no, yes. I don't. I don't. I in think that life? was a made-up thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a. It's an ultra-violent really Western gross. revenge <laughs> tale where you can use. Literally anything as a weapon, and I think my favorite was picking up a fish and mm. then putting I, it on I also head. did that, yeah. That was the best. But I, also, I also kept getting confused as to which which was the pick up and drop button and which was the attack button. Mm-hmm. So there was a, early on, there's a tough enemy like in the first map that killed me a two dozen times, like just kept wiping the floor with me. And there was just a field of these white flowers around him by the time I got past him, it was mm-hmm. bad. Uh. But no, the, the different weapons all do really cool, interesting things, and it seems cool to find your favorites and to see what does what. I think like the ladder, you could twirl around yeah. with, like an AOE. Some sword weapons, gives you a dash, yeah, which like is a diagonal really dash. strong. Yeah, you could interact with a cannon that shoots you up, and if you like aim it as you come down, right, you can kill multiple enemies at mm-hmm. the same time. It's really cool, and it's just kind of like a small level base. So they put you in a small area, and you have to defeat every enemy in that area before you can move on to the Very next cool. one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hmm. And then we also have a um, Overland uh, by Finji. It's a turn-based survival game. It comes out this fall. I think this one was at the Indie Showcase. Did either of you get to play it? No, I did not. I did not get to play this one either. But nope, there I you didn't go. Play it either. Um, what about Darkwood? Uh, Tom played Darkwood and said it was really cool. Okay. But yeah, Th- this kind of game, like um, th- the survival horror, like the top-down thing. Yeah. I don't know. I have a hard time like getting into I, that thing. And this, th- I like the way this looks. So really, this has, See, like, like this, this like dark art style to me, where it's like everything is sort of candlelit or like just yeah. you know, it just doesn't do anything. Like for you me. don't like the don't starve games that no. kind of stuff. Well, this Mm-mm. this is like you have uh, you illuminate the darkness with your flashlight, so you can only see um, part of the map uh, most of the time. And there are these. It seems to be a kind of different from most. Uh, most of these dark games where the enemies are slow and lumbering, it's like creepy. You know, yeah. you're constantly turning around to check what's behind you, and and it's not like this super fast paced adrenaline game. It's really, it's literally a creepy, right? Baby. I'm too, I'm too cool. much of a baby I play for that. This. Yeah, no, yeah, too wimpy. Okay, sorry, <laughs> that's all right. Also wimpy, not for Zach. And then uh, they also talked about NeoCab, and Tom was telling me that this has been playable in a few different places, but um before GDC, but I was able to play it, and it seems like there are some features that Tom hasn't seen before. Um, but it's a, an emotional survival game about Lena, who's the last human uh, driver in like a futuristic take of San Francisco. And it's, oh, um, cool. Mm-hmm. It's called a Los, Los Ojos. is a fictional city. Mm-hmm. But I was able to talk to the writer, Paula Rogers, and she said that she's from San Francisco. So she, fold, she pulled very heavily from her experience living in the city. And this is her take on what the city might be like if they take um, automated tech too far. Right. And yeah, you're like the last human driver, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you're, you do rideshare. You're an Uber driver mm-hmm. in the future where there are now self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. And there is a corporation called Capra, and they basically um, lobbied to get rid of all human driving cars because they're dangerous and cars are dangerous. And then there is a rebellion group called Radix, and they will respond to people's calls when Capra does something bad. Like, for example, I played an instance where a Capra car ran over some dude on a bike, and he called Radix, and they came and then destroyed the Capra car. Um, <laughs> but it's dialogue... It's a dialogue-heavy, story-driven game where you are trying to balance keeping yourself happy, keeping your writers happy, and then also not getting noticed by this corporation that's watching you while trying to find your friend who's missing. But you still have to make money. I mean, how else are you going to pay rent, right? Right. I think it's interesting. Like that, this, it's almost like a uh, like a text-driven adventure or like mm-hmm. a, a you know, graphic yeah. novel or something like that, and just kind of speaks to the variety of. of games that are available on Switch and how Nintendo is really going out and finding these sort of diamonds in the rough in all genres. I think mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's really cool to see something like that in an indie's event. It also looks really pretty. And I think one of my favorite features is that, so the main character is wearing a bracelet that kind of monitors her emotions and it changes color based on what she's feeling. But instead of treating any one emotion as bad or like you're playing wrong, mm-hmm. it says specifically all emotions are valid. So just because you're in the red and you're feeling intense anger doesn't mean that you're playing the game wrong. Like For example, when I was playing, 
I was really angry at um, this guy in my car who was with a woman. And because I was angry, I unlocked an extra dialogue option that let me stand up for the woman. Mm -hmm. So it does things like depending on your mood will carry over to the next drive and change your dialogue options. No, that's a little, that little known cool. fact. You can always tell what kind of mood Pear is in based on the color of the Joy-Con that he puts on his Switch that day. That's right. So, it's like, yeah. a, like a mood ring. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can lie to everyone by choosing the wrong <laughs> Joy-Con. But uh, yeah, NeoCab comes out this summer. It looks cool. Um, there's also Swim Sanity by Decoy Games, which is a multiplayer underwater shooter. There's co-op and versus modes, um, online and local, and that's also coming out this summer. Kind of like a, f- like a fishy Gradius. A fishy, a fishy gradius. What is that? Like a like a side-scrolling shooter, but the it's fish themed. Okay. Yeah, it's very. <laughs> Actually, I didn't get to see this game or play it. It's it's so. got a, a it's got an interesting art style. Mm-hmm. N- not sold on it yet, but it looks like mm-hmm. there's a lot going on with really big enemies and stuff. I, I would mm-hmm. love to play it. And it's multiplayer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Like yeah. a fun party game, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Brian, what were your three top games from oh, the Navy Showcase? Okay, so. So I have to. You guys were on an airplane, probably when the. And the when well, the actually, while it was on, I was in in constant meetings. While uh-huh. this, so these I, guys have been here since Sunday, and he was telling me that they were kicking back in the park riding electric bikes. <laughs> so no, their GDC has not been that difficult. <laughs> well, about this, I mean, first and foremost, for me, it's it's Cuphead. Yeah, okay. because I'm. I just love it. It's going to be really interesting to see how that is when you when you play it in bed mm-hmm. on your handheld. That's yeah. That's going to be great fun. Also, I'm 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 really interested in um, I, well, obviously my friend Pedro, like mm-hmm. a, a sentient banana. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I knew you'd like that one. It's, it's going to be. It has to be great. And also, I was I was intrigued by. Sorry, I'm, I need. To oh no worries. Sort of, but yeah, the, the uh, list is very long. Right, it's it's super long. The what was the name of the of the dog sled? Uh, Red, Red Lantern. Lantern. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Not the Zhang Yimou movie, but Mm-mm. the right. video game. Now that just sounds like fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, what about you, Zach? Yeah, mine, Creature, uh, Creature in the Well. I, I think uh, I love that. that uh, Hyperlight Drifter, I think, is one of the best indies in the last you know, 10 years, uh, five years maybe. But uh, I, I really like what it, what Creature is shaking up there. Um, I really like Bloodroots a lot. I think it was so like fast-paced and kind of wild and crazy. Um and uh, I also chose the Red Lantern because I think, uh, you know, like Paris said, they're giving off heavy mm-hmm. Firewatch vibes. So Yeah, for me it was pretty clear. Cadence of Hyrule, mm-hmm. big Zelda fan, obviously. I, I just thought it looked so – it's so cool to have a different art art style take on all these classic Zelda enemies too, to like see how they translated them. Uh, it's just really charming. Uh, the Red Lantern, love the way it looks, love the narration and the, the storytelling, the feel to the game, and then Creature in the Well. Uh, I love Pinball. And uh, this is just a really cool, uh, cool take on the genre that I don't think we've seen like that. It's you know? like a, we've it's had like, like a... sp- Spirit Sphere, like use that mechanic, but it was more of a tennis game. And this is like an, an action puzzle game. It's like a um, constant multi ball in yeah. that game. No, yeah, that's it. It's really yeah. cool. How about you, Case? So, um, obviously, Cadence Fire Rule. I'm super mm-hmm. excited for that. But if we weren't counting that, I feel like it's it's almost unfair. What <laughs> is it? Is it not okay? okay so, well, the Red Lantern, of course, NeoCab, and Katana Zero. Okay, are my three, cool. not Sweet. counting Cadence. Nice. Um, have you guys been able to play any games that weren't in the Nindy Showcase? No, GDC. Yet? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have you played? Anything worth uh, talking about? I played uh, Scaleboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from a small German team, and uh, Fabraz is bringing it out here. It, it's a coincidence. I didn't know that. Big surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I immediately ran there, and we uh, the put on our Lederhosen developer conference. The to Plattler together. <laughs> the accordion. Yeah. Um, no, they, uh, you know, the, the, I just thought of it because they also brought uh, Spirit Sphere out. So mm-hmm. they're working with a different developer on this. I, Skullbo- a Skullboy with an E. It's best described as Paper Zelda. I th- okay. Uh, okay. So it's like kind Paper of Mario. Like, yeah, it's like uh, okay. like a uh, you have a sword, or you, I mean, you have different weapons. You can hit your enemies, like uh, you know, skeleton stuff. It's very Halloween looking the whole game, and the characters are kind of flat, little you know, little little cards almost, and um, it. It, it's it's an action RPG. You explore areas. You can jump. You can hit things. You can take like when you kill an enemy, you can take parts like their head or their body, uh, and you take on different traits. So like if you kill a crappy enemy like a zombie, and you take the head, your health actually goes down because zombies, as we all know, don't have a lot of health left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really charming. Uh, kind of not. not 
it it really feels like a like a like a Zelda game done Paper Mario. That's awesome. So I don't know how deep the RPG mechanics are in it, or whether you you ever get out of this castle into a bigger world. But what it, what I played, I really liked. That's huh. that's coming out soon. Brian, when you uh, come to something like GDC, do you get an opportunity to go down to the show floor and like actually go hands on with games, or are you just constantly in meetings and? I'm, I'm podcasts. Very, very, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm very much in in uh, in meetings, but so far I've only had time to play one game, and that's that's from a studio called Mighty Yell mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. Canada, uh, started by one of the guys behind the game Runbow. Oh yeah, okay. that yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, he's going to kill me now, like because he let me play it, and I can't remember what the name the name of the game, but it's it's a really cool game uh, about about being a con artist oh, okay. and uh, sort of, um, what do you call it? Like dialogue-driven game. Cool. We'll you, figure you, that you out and like put it down time. in the description. Hey, what yeah. the hell does that mean? It is. And it's, yeah, it's called something like that. Yeah. Like the, the, big, the big con or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's, that's, that was great. And tomorrow I'll have time mm-hmm. to walk around the show floor and play a lot of nice. games. Yeah. Nice. I, I, have to, I have to admit, though, in between playing some of the games at GDC, I busted out Captain Toad because oh, yeah? of the DLC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I keep on solving little puzzle challenges. So it's a good on the go game. But hey, speaking of on the go, you have to go. I really have to go. I have a, I have a meeting at the Game Developers Conference, and it takes about twenty minutes to get there. The German Developers Conference. I have to go to the German <laughs> Developers Conference. It's right across the street from the I, Game Developers Conference. I I am ironically meeting with a German of <laughs> from Gamescom. Uh-huh. So you know we want to obviously be at Gamescom again this year. So I will. Uh, it was wonderful seeing you guys and. Uh, Please, um, please enjoy the show. <laughs> Thank you, don't, Fair. Don't don't talk about me. <laughs> Should we? Gosh, uh, isn't he the, just the worst? <laughs> <laughs> Leaving in the middle. Should what we jump worst? ahead to uh, question block? You think? Um, man, yes. Yeah. I did want to mention the World Next Door, which is a game coming out on March 28th for the Switch. Um, I was able to get some hands on with it. It's like a narrative RPG where you can choose dialogue options, but it's also an action puzzle game where you are moving puzzle blocks in real time to cast spells to attack your opponent who's also moving around in real time. Oh. It was really interesting and cool, and I liked it a lot. Um, gosh, there's, we'll talk about news next week, but yeah, let's just skip ahead <laughs> to question block. Oh wait, let me just mention, okay, out, out now this week is Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, everybody. Um, it's a random dungeon generator. It got an 8.4 um, when the original Wii version came out. And we also got Unravel 2, which originally came out on June 9th last year. It's going to be 20 bucks. I completely missed that Unravel was even coming to Switch. I know, right? Yeah, yeah it's coming to Switch. And then uh, there's also a Splatoon 2 special, special demo from March 19th through the 35th. And if you get it, you also get access to a free seven-day trial to Nintendo Online. Oh, cool. And then if you choose to purchase the full game within that demo, you get 20% off. So yeah, and then Wait. also uh, Turok 64 port, we talked about that a bunch, comes yeah. out on March 18th, it's 20 bucks. So question block. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do it. <clears throat> um, Viraj Joshi, I don't know how to pronounce your name, sorry. I'm, the I'm awful sun. at it, the that's J's just like my silent. one yeah, terrible, J's. that's my, my one terrible skill, is pronouncing, pronouncing names. names. I'm the worst. Everyone just butcher my name from now on to get back at me. <laughs> I give you permission. <laughs> but um, I have a question for the most fun game ever, question block on the NBC podcast. Uh, with Google Stadia almost here, how do you see Nintendo thriving? What does it mean for Nintendo hardware and software? By the way, love the show. Have rated five stars on iTunes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, to add on to that, will Nintendo be willing to work with Stadia to stream its games? What do you guys think? Brian, you actually saw Stadia. Mm, I did, yeah. Yeah, and you had an opportunity to do a little hands-on. I did, yeah, yeah, earlier today. It was, uh, so I lied when I said I only played one game. Um, <laughs> so I, I actually did a bit of Assassin's Creed on there. Um, I think Nintendo's going to thrive anyway. It's, um, Nintendo is Nintendo. Like, the community is so strong. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, um, Stadia looks fantastic, I think. But it's going to be competing for another type of audience. I, th- I actually think so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think Stadia is going to be great, mm. and I think um, Nintendo is going to do. Great. Will continue to do great. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I doubt that Nintendo would like venture too far off their own uh, hardware. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it seems to me like the, they're doing streaming stuff, or they have been experimenting with that. Um, you know, we've seen Assassin's Creed and Resident Evil Seven. I think I already mentioned that on this show, but like I, I just can't imagine that they would do 
like development yeah. for a specific like a yeah. competitor I think, hard. I don't think hardware. they would either. Yeah. I think they're very protective of their own games. Right. And though, yeah. You remember, I mean, at one point people were saying that Nintendo should definitely put all of their games on mobile, right? Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't. I mean, they've done they're a doing few of some, them. Yeah, yeah. But some, they're right? they're but all made for mobile exactly. experiences. Exactly. I yeah, I don't think yeah, no one's going to sort of just no. sway Nintendo into doing stuff easily. And just to back up real quick, Stadia is Google's new streaming platform. Right. <laughs> just to explain, and their whole platform is that you'll be able to play games immediately, no download times or anything from any device that you already own, like on your TV, on a Google Chromecast, or on your phone, tablet, whatever. And I think they showed Doom and um, Project Stream last year yeah. was kind of a test with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I agree with you guys. I don't think Nintendo would be willing to work with Stadia no, on that up to that point. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but they're going to do fine. Yeah. yeah. They'll be fine. And um, from Sam Schumacher, uh, Brian was such a great guest last time. I would oh. like to ask him how he thinks the Switch has impacted gaming overall in the past two years. Okay. So I think, uh, I don't know how it's doing in the U.S. actually, the Switch. But in Europe, I know it's it's doing really well. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it's definitely impacted gaming. You mm-hmm. can see from a developer standpoint, I, all the developers I know are asking me questions about how to get on the Switch mm-hmm. because they all want to be there. It's, it's, you can also the, the lineup you had today, Casey. I mean, mm-hmm. it, um, so, <laughs> so many awesome games are mm-hmm. coming to, mm-hmm. to the Switch. So I, I think it's, it's had a huge impact. I'm, for me too, to, because I, I rarely get to play in in my living room. My kids hog the TV all the time. Right. The, when I get to play, it's like in bed, and then I play on the Switch. So, yeah, I think it's just definitely it's impacted it a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we we talk about it, how the Switch has impacted games every week on this show. So mm-hmm. I, you know, like I. I feel like our opinions are pretty clear in that regard. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it, I think my biggest learning this week just around GDC has been just how dedicated to indies Nintendo is, yeah. Yeah. you know, in the same way that, that, um, steam and to a lesser extent, PlayStation Vita revolutionized the way that people have access to independent games and development and give independent developers a real platform. Nintendo is taking, 30 plus years of experience in development and publishing and applying that same philosophy and same cultivation to independent games and really putting spotlights on games like, like, you know, an entire 30 minute Nintendo direct dedicated strictly to indie games saying like, Hey, here are the games that, that we Nintendo, the most prolific gaming company are looking at. And you should too. I think that's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they've really been elevating indies far beyond they've been. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, cool. Next, next question. Yeah. So next, we have three. I have three questions from uh, Nintendo podcast forums on Facebook, mm-hmm. and um, the first one is from David Barber. He says, "Will you ever remake the first SteamWorld DSi game?" Uh, yeah, I think so. It's uh, and, and they're going to kill me in the office for saying that, but uh, <laughs> but I want to do it, and, and the the main reason is that it's it's there's such a cool little story behind that game. Mm-hmm. We we had no intention from the beginning that that we were going to highlight robots. It was actually it was totally accidental. Mm-hmm. It was the robots were the bad guys and the humans were the good guys. And then, just during lunch one day, someone just said, "Wouldn't it be more funny, like just quirky, if it was the other way around?" And then after that, like when we put that game out, um, we started really talking about SteamWorld. Yeah, like we wouldn't have been talking about SteamWorld if we had just kept it. So it's. Like these, this sort of pivotal moment, you can't feel it, but actually one lunch hour sort of changed everything. <laughs> the tr- the entire quietly. trajectory of your company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally, really. Yeah. So it's uh, just for historical reasons, it'd be, uh, it would be great just to bring it to the Switch, just so you have it there. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to become like a um, sales success because mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't deserve to be, yeah. but it would be great for, for everyone to at least be able to 
sort of watch a trailer from it or something. Yeah. Let's, it's interesting because that honestly kind of pivots off of the last question about, you know, like what does the Switch impact, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. It's also an awesome preservation machine. Mm-hmm. You know, we're exactly. seeing so many, th- like friggin' Turok just came yeah. out on it, right? Like Turok was a game that was unavailable, locked on one system for so many years. So yeah, that's really interesting that you would remake it just for the simple yeah. fact of having it readily right. available. Yeah. yeah. And last question, you can make this answer as short as you want, but it's from Emmanuel uh, Luivano, and it's, uh, what other formats or genres would you like to test on the SteamWorld series? Racing would be cool. <laughs> Racing would be cool, right. <laughs> um, we're, I think we're just going to keep experimenting. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's such a great world to have, because robots, you don't kill robots. Like, they get damaged, but you can sort of fix them. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, terminally violent at any point. Um Racing, I'm. <laughs> I'm not sure. I would, I would, I would really like to make SteamWorld chess. You know, okay. Like, uh, some sort of battle chess mm-hmm. uh, remake, but with robots. Yeah, that cool. sounds really cool. Yeah. Hey, Brian, thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day to come on NBC. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Zach, as well. And yeah. Pear, um, I know you had to somewhere go. out there. Yeah, go on a very yeah. important, important quest. Yeah. But hey, this was uh, NBC, Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo Podcast. You can catch us on your preferred podcasting platform every 3 p.m. on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Every Thursday at 3 p.m. Every 3 p.m. Every 3 p.m. Yeah. It's 3 p.m. somewhere. <laughs> the time. But hey, thank you so much for watching. And remember, this is the only place that you can get the thing. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.